Yo, this is Brad Rickle. Welcome to the Brad Rickle Brief. Thank you for taking the time and listening. I understand my personality is pretty hit or miss, so if these are resonating with you, consider yourself part of a very select group. On today's episode, I wanted to talk about one of the themes that come up in my life, finance. I can feel you tense up a little bit on the subject. Most people do. We are taught that we don't talk about how much money we make. We don't talk about what we're invested in. And we definitely don't talk about the financial mismanagements that have happened in our lives. I feel like we are doing ourselves a disservice because there is a lot to gain by talking about all these things related to finance. Importantly, we can learn from other people's mistakes so we don't do the same. I get that there is this feeling that money and finance is a high stakes game and because that the pressure of the nature of the whole thing, that we're not capable enough to handle our own finances, we typically outsource it to someone who is quote-unquote qualified. And I'm using these air quotes because I'm telling you that you are smart enough to manage your own money. Giving your money to someone else for management does not guarantee you better results, and it definitely doesn't transfer the risk to someone else. That is the feeling we get when we hire a financial manager is the, oh, this, I got this guy. He has me taken care of. I don't know what he's doing, but I made 15% last year. I can put you in touch with him. He's, he's really good. What's not going, going on here is that the market might have made 20% and he charged you 5% to manage, manage the money. The years that the financial manager gets destroyed, we have this cognitive narrative that, oh, if he got destroyed, my, my guy, he got destroyed, I would have went bankrupt. Seems to be a win-win scenario for money managers. You and I are both capable of handling it ourselves. And you won't pay a percentage of your portfolio to do it. Sure, you might take some beatings, but so do the pros. And we learn from it. Let me make a quick aside. Sometimes finances might just not be in our wheelhouse. And if you are set on not doing it for yourself, then do yourself a favor and get a fiduciary financial advisor. A fiduciary is a type of advisor who legally is obligated to have your best interests in mind when managing your money. There's a guy in Charlottesville who seems to be one of the people that resonates the most with me. His name's Sam Harris from Patina Wealth, and he's good. I line up with his way of thinking, and his fees are very reasonable. So if you don't want to take this on yourself, at least get a fiduciary. But let's say you do want to start on the journey. Here's just a simple list of building up your knowledge, and it's nothing that's going to surprise you. Number one, have an affordable lifestyle. Don't live in debt. Two, save an emergency fund. Three, invest the rest over that amount. And four, think about an exit strategy. Never go into something without knowing how you get out. Something that our government fails to do on on a pretty regular basis. What I didn't cover could maybe get crammed into the Grand Canyon. But that's just the upshot. So let's go into these individually a little bit more. Having an affordable lifestyle seems easy enough. But that's not how we're built. We want more. We acclimate so quickly that it's easy to get on this hedonic treadmill 
if you make fifty thousand year, if you make fifty thousand dollars a year, don't live on a hundred thousand dollar a year lifestyle. Not everyone has the rigor to do this, but there are very important reasons to do so. A little philosophy on this, quick. You and I are able to set our own criterion for life. When we are unsure. We will fall back on the herd mentality and look at what everyone else is doing as guidance for the right thing. Screw that. You are the only person that knows what will make you happy. Do you like things or experiences? Do you get meaning out of your job or serving someone else like your partner? These things are not mutually exclusive, but simply an example of types of answers that will give you the most value out of your money. For an example... I'm not a car guy. God help me, but I've, I've received a lot of shit over the years for the types of cars I've driven. Right now, it's a 2012 Toyota Camry Hybrid. I like this thing. People leave me alone on the road because they're expecting a 90-year-old woman to be driving it. It's paid off, and I hope I drive this thing for 300,000 miles. I get no pleasure out of driving a new Ford F-150. It's just not me. Some people love their vehicles. I say if you love your vehicle, spend your money on it, but understand you have to rein it in somewhere else. You can have anything you want in life, but you can't have everything. Think about your priorities. What's important to you and what makes those top two or three things you want to spend your money on? Realize the rest is filler garbage that doesn't do much for you. If you want sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but can only afford two of them, make sure you know which two are going to be on the top of your priority list. Don't go into debt for the third because it's going to compromise you in ways you don't understand. But we have all heard that there are good types of debt. Dave Ramsey, who I disagree with on most everything, but he is good at this. He's good at getting people from negative back to zero. I just I just think he's a touch disingenuous. Ramsey says all debt is bad. It's not the world we live in. Housing debt seems necessary. My partner Mallory and I, we paid off our house this last year. What a huge relief in cash flow once that was paid off. It made a very large difference. Make the debt manageable so you don't Make the debt manageable so you have a plan to pay it off sometime over the course of your life. Don't buy the million-dollar house on the $65,000 a year salary thinking it's going to double in 10 years, and then I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to make a bunch of money. There's, there's a better use of your money. But we all need a place to stay. Find a place that you can afford that's close to work. Try to cut down your commute time as much as possible. You might, you might not need that six-bedroom that will get used once a decade when both extended families come for the birthday party. Student loan debt? Good or bad? I think there's both sides of the argument there. Get a degree in engineering, and it is probably good because there's going to be work on the other side of it. Get a degree in mass communication like me, and you get the privilege to join the Army after college because the only two jobs available to me were waiting tables, and loading trucks. So my student debt was paid off, thankfully, from the U.S. Army, but it came at a cost. 
the rest of the the debt pile here, car and credit card among it, probably pretty bad, generally speaking. If you can handle it, pour it on. But if you can't handle it, just max out your credit card on something you can use, like a guitar or golf clubs, and then spend the rest of your life making interest-only minimum payments on it. My buddy Spensley, he might be listening. My buddy Spensley, he told me this and gave me this piece of advice. The first time anyone gets a credit card, they should go out and buy something with it, like actually something, because then they will have something to show for it. Everyone else just drinks it up, and that's what I did. I drank mine up. Baba Louie's, De Pere, Wisconsin, got my first $500 credit card bill, the whole thing. All I had to show for it was a hangover. So have an affordable lifestyle. And I like this topic, and I'll have a podcast on financial independence later on in a few episodes to talk more about that. Number two, save an emergency fund. This is pretty straightforward. Once you have an affordable lifestyle, you can save a few bucks. Figure out how much you want to spend per month to live and save a few months worth. This advice has a pretty wide range from financial experts and people writing books. Just start low. Save one month's worth. See how you feel. It's probably going to feel pretty good. Work your way up until you have an amount where you can sleep good at night if something bad happens. And it's not if something bad happens, it's when something bad will happen. Most of the advice is going to be within the three to six month range is what people feel really comfortable with. Personally, my partner Mallory and I, we have about a year's worth of expenses in our emergency fund that's just sitting in a cash position. That's what we're comfortable with. That's when things go bad, that's what we're going to fall back on and feel okay with. Tertio, number three, start investing your money after that. Once you have some money in the bank that makes you sleep a little bit better at night. Get some of your money in something more aggressive that can really compound over time. I'll have a more in-depth episode specifically on investing, but just start small with an index fund. An index fund is a composite of individual equities that mirror a certain exchange like the S&P 500 or the Dow. And this is probably where most listeners are going to be saying, Brad, this is exactly, this is the fucking part that is confusing and there's a zillion things out there. I know, I know, this is it. I'm going to give you a one minute MBA in finance for everyone out there. A stock is a part of a company. What you're buying is actually part of a business. And I think we've lost a lot of that over time with discounted brokerages like Merrill Edge or Robinhood. You actually buy part of a business. So you can invest in companies that you know and like using. Have an Amazon Prime account and you get something delivered to you every day. Buy Amazon. Shop at Target instead of Walmart because you don't like interacting with those type of people. Buy Target. You can look around your lifestyle and realize there are companies that you can purchase and invest in all over the place and feel totally fine with. You're going to know if something changes. If the quality of Amazon Prime changes, you're going to be in the vanguard of it all. Or you can buy an index fund, like I mentioned earlier, something like Vanguard's S&P 500. This, the ticker for that is Victor Oscar Oscar, called the VU. That's what I'm invested in. I got hammered 
for years trying to buy and sell individual equities. It just wasn't my strong suit. I didn't have the time to look into it. And I think that's what this whole podcast is about when people feel overwhelmed with everything that's going on. So I've simplified. The bulk of my money that I have invested is invested in the VU, the Vanguard S&P 500. I don't know what next year's winners are going to be on the stock market exchange, if any. So I'm just betting on the pass line for any of the craps players that are out there. I'm just betting that the market is going to go up instead of down. I think that's a reasonable assumption that we can all get behind something simple. Most of the financial advisors out there are going to be doing the same thing. If I had to bet, if any of you have your financial advisors and they have you invested, it's likely in index funds. It's simple and it's it's effective. I can get into it more in later podcasts about modern portfolio theory and future options, but that's what gets people scared. You can turn on Bloomberg and other finance-related news outlets, and they'll be talking about quartering the pork belly market and what that means. You just need to realize that it is their job. They have to fill up a 24-hour news cycle. It's their job. You have to know where their incentives are, and their incentives are twofold. First, it's to make you think this whole thing is complicated and that they're an expert in some area. That serves them. And the second is that the future is knowable. Well, they don't, and it isn't. There should be a disclaimer with every expert that writes an article in the paper or Money Magazine or gets on one of these shows because I'm guessing most experts you see on TV they're going to be dependent on their regular salary. Understand where their incentives lie when they're talking. There are a million ways to invest, but you need to know, you don't need to know all million ways. You need to know one, one good way. Start by investing in an index fund. Check it about twice a year and know that everything's going to be okay. Because if that money's not okay, There is a lot of other problems going on in life. Probably one of them being that you just lost your job. You don't have to read the daily newspapers or watch the stock market go up and down. You'll probably be better off not looking at that stuff. So lastly, when when you get to this point that you're saving some money and you're hoping to see it grow by investing, the last point is to have an agency strategy. Understand why you're doing all of this. Have a goal and a system to get there. Your goals may change over time, and that is okay. Have a purpose for why you're doing all this. Is it to stop working 10 days before you die? Great. Is it to go visit someplace exotic like Tahiti? Even better. Is it to not be a slave to your biweekly paycheck and have a little control over your life? That might be the best reason just to get out of the rat race. Play a different game. Realize that you set the rules for what makes you happy and what other people think. That doesn't really matter. That's probably the closest example to my end goal, what my exit strategy looks like. To be free doing what I want to do. 
knowing my priorities, that as long as I have my partner, Mallory, and my family, everything's going to be okay. So I pay down debt. I save and I invest so that I have the most options available to me in the future. I don't want to do something because I need the money. That is a slow suck. We've all seen it during our lifetimes. People sitting in cubicles or working jobs, just counting down the days until they retire and stop working. I knew this one guy who said something ridiculous like, I have 1,900 more days until I can retire. Like, what kind of fucking life is that? Like, there's going to be some guarantee that there's going to be time after you retire. I really don't want that to be me. It's a slightly romantic notion to know that I'm not beholden to a job. So that's what this is. We can learn a lot from each other. Even talking openly about our own personal situation seems to be socially unacceptable for some reason. It seems like if we talk about it and we happen to be doing better than the other person in the conversation, it might come across as we're bragging and we feel bad if we're doing worse than the other person. It's a, it's a lose-lose but it doesn't need to be a point. The point is to reframe it. This isn't a competition because we are not playing the same game. What you are going for is different than what I'm going for. What makes you happy is different than what makes me happy. But what we can do is learn from common mistakes. So to summarize, we can experience the upside of the knowledge without the competition of it all. The best thing I can do is talk about where I'm at, what I do, and just get the conversation started. Don't be afraid to bring up to your friends about what you're doing with your finances, how much you have saved up, how much you make at your job, what you're invested in, how's it doing, particularly if you're getting hammered in some sector. Maybe you can, alert, maybe you can learn that investing in emerging markets is a loser's game for some reason. We're all in this thing together. And that's it, folks. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I will be talking more about finances in the future, but this is not a financial podcast. It's just something I really enjoy reading on and doing in my life. And I find that I keep bringing it up over and over with friends and family, trying to get people caught up with things that I have read, just making other people understand that this is manageable and a winnable game. If you have anything out there you might want to hear my thoughts on for later podcasts, just reach out and let me know. But if not, see you later, folks. I am out.